By rattling snake and bullfrogs croak, the singing robin and jackalope. By howling coyote and gator's snout, to the crossroads we dance about. Welcome to Southern Bramble, a podcast of crooked ways. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast, so if you want to see Austin and I get extra spicy with special guest hosts, head on over to patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. If you subscribe, you'll get early access to podcast episodes, recorded video, monthly spell, sigil, or recipe outlines. You'll get to also ask listener questions. And if you join the top tier, you'll be acknowledged at the end of each episode. So please, if you'd like to support us, check us out on Patreon. I promise you won't regret it. This is Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin X Bramble on Instagram. And we have a very special guest today for our cute little bonus episode. Um, we have a Mr. Kevin, who is Marshall's EFF. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing good. <laughs> We're doing good today. Good. I mean, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited for this. Yes, thank you for coming. So I wanted to break into it because I don't know you, but I've heard quite a bit about you. Um, and I'm I'm assuming that where I'm I'm kind of questioning why we're here. So um, I wanted to ask really quick, Kevin, are you a practicing witch? No, I am not. Or like a magical practitioner of any kind? Not at all. No. <gasps> That's so interesting. Okay, okay. So. I, I will say I have on a few occasions with Marshall participated in some things he's done, but that was just like a little side thing. It wasn't like me being a practitioner. You're you're there for you're um a pedestrian bystander who is there for support. Yes, exactly. So how did you two meet? How do you know each other? How long have we been friends? I want to know everything about you. <laughs> so me and Marshall met um, in high school. Um, I knew who he was like freshman year of high school. And he was extremely gothic. Uh-huh. Stop. He Stop was. It, you, okay, so I were. I've seen some photos of the two of you from the past. Um, but I haven't seen the gothy one. Marshall, <laughs> you're holding out. <laughs> so, you know, and at okay. that, go, at go that ahead, go point, ahead. I was like beyond like on the preppy side and I still wasn't out yet. So like we were complete opposites. And it wasn't until we were in our junior year of high school that we actually did become friends. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of a funny story because... Um, when I first went as a freshman in high school, I like leaned so deep into the alternative lifestyle. Like I was a walking hot top hot topic ad. That was just my life. <laughs> and um you want a pair of trip pants? Please tell me you did. A pair of what of what trip, pants? Trip pants. Um I'll, I had the Jinkos that were so wide you could fit okay. two of me in each leg. The OG trip. Okay. Oh, the OG like the kind that yeah. like you you only saw on people who 
were usually carrying full families in each tent leg. Right, right. Yeah, it's like you had like several different groups of people just in one pant leg. And I had like yeah. bracelets that went all up every arm up to my elbow and tons of you necklaces. You had that, um, you had that, you even wore those like candy necklaces. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So she was a little bit of a cyber goth, like a little bit, like a yes. rave goth. A rave goth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay. Go on. <laughs> but yeah, so that was when I first knew of him. But again, we didn't become friends till about two years later. Um, which we were about almost 17 at the time, mm-hmm. which was, you know, yeah, just like a couple of days ago, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm, yeah. But no, we've been friends for Marshall, uh, uh, 18 years now. Oh, geez. Um, somewhere around there. Wow, okay. Maybe, maybe 19 years. No, stop it. Stop adding. We, we, only, we, we, we subtract. We don't add. Two decades. <laughs> so yeah, a long time. Is does that does that fact check, Marshall? Is that how you guys met? Is no, yeah, no. We we were actually so Kevin had just he'd gone to live in California for a year, came back, and um we had math class together in junior year of high school. And so I had come out, I want to say near the end of freshman year, and then you know, I was one of the very few gays in high school during uh, uh, sophomore year. And then junior year, Kevin moved back and uh, we started to become, it was funny. I think we were both being picked up around the same area. We both ended up walking away from the school to like our parents found the janky place to pick us up. So they didn't have to get in line situation. <laughs> and so both yeah, of us, yeah. yeah, both of us would walk like half a mile away from the school to make it easier for our parents to pick us up. And it was just like, oh, hey, gay. And he was just like, you gay. And I was like, yes. And <laughs> and we pretty much started to kind of hang out a little bit and, and get to be friends and whatnot. Have you guys seen the meme that says, hi, gay? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, it's yeah. very that. Yeah. Hi, gay. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, that was the first time I, I was like, oh my God, there's another gay person. Oh my God. And he's in my math class. Like, this is uh, so amazing. We're the only two in the whole school that are, well, that we're out. I have to know, do you, did you guys hate each other at first? No, not at all. No, not really. The thing is, is like, I think both of us were kind of in a desperate place to have someone who, who was, it didn't matter if we had nothing in common. We were gay. That was enough. I needed a gay friend. Now, the more gay is in a room, the more easier you can learn to hate each other. But when there's only so few, you cling on it for, for you cling on to it for some sort of acceptance. Well, see, see here, I'm, I'm publishing my, my entire um, uh, report on this. So I need to know all the background. Okay, so you guys... I'm painting a picture here for my for my next article. You guys, uh, suburban town, right? Mm-hmm. Smaller, very, very um, suburban, yeah. right? Uh, okay, very so, whitewashed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very. Um, I'm only wondering just because, um, you know, when I grew up in my suburban, it was like rural suburban. So you're kind of out in the country, but you know, we weren't that far from a major city um, in Kansas, uh, in Missouri, when I lived in Kansas City. And 
I, you fell into one or two camps. Firstly, I was like the only out person in my entire high school that I fucked around with everybody and anybody who would let me. And um, that was a lot of people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or the one other person, like, if there was like another gay, it was like immediately like we hated each other or we were ravenously fucking each other or we were like um, hating each other in presentation, but secretly like had like this unrequited love for each other. So it's very angsty and very drama inducing. Um, So I just had to see, I had to paint this like suburban background, but it sounds like you guys were friends to start off uh, to begin with. So that's good. Yeah. um, So when I came back, from California I lived there for only about a year and when I came back I was just in a very I'd been on a bunch of drugs so I was in a very dark place at that time of my life and so like he was just like an immediate like walk into the room I know you're gay okay I feel comfortable around that and so I really leaned in to that friendship with him uh and I think you know vice versa we just kind of both clicked and you said that was like your junior year of high school when we met, yes. Okay, sweet. So the friendship developed from there. You guys got to know each other more. You started having, you know, very craft-like uh, Saturday nights where you're braiding each other's hair, saying men on take my scars. Um, I see that for you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> as the friendship progressed, you guys are now adults. And how do you guys stay friend? Like, I'm... I'm really bad with friendships. If I move away or if I stop like interacting with you on a daily basis, I kind of stop talking to you or really being involved in your life. And that's not like a, like a, ew, I hate you thing. That's just, I don't have any personal connection to you anymore. So how did you guys maintain a friendship even like after high school? So there's this long running joke between literally anybody who's ever met us that we are just non-sexual life partners. Um, because we went to the same high school. Then we literally moved out of our parents' house into our first apartment to be roommates. We went to the same hair school at different times. And then we both graduated. We both have worked for the same company. He's been there for 16 years. I've been there for 14 years. We have all the same friends. We lived together for like 13 years, I think. And for some reason, like just the two of us, like we just don't, we never, I think we've had like major, one major fight in our entire friendship. Um, And we've just, I don't know, it's just a really interesting friendship that I think it's pretty rare that most people don't have or don't get to experience. So I consider myself really lucky and blessed to have that. Uh, but I know it is very rare to be able to get along with someone when you do spend so much time with them. So that's so interesting. You said you only have one major fight, but you're about ready to have two major fights because I'm pulling up Marshall's um, chat message receipts right here, and he has said, "No, I'm just kidding." Um, <laughs> that's really that's really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Marshall, do you have anything to add to that? Like. Well, no, like, it's interesting that you say it's hard to keep a relationship for some people, Austin, because, like, when me and Kevin, uh, like, 
we it's kind of funny i originally had an, an opportunity to go move away to new york at one point and the job i ended up getting i just kept growing in it and i loved with, living with kevin at 19 we literally moved out at 19 years old um and so throughout all that process it, it we just kind of kept growing within each other's lives in the same direction. And not only did it work really well in our favor, but we complemented each other a lot. We've done a lot of weddings together, like when it comes to doing hair and, and makeup in the past. Uh, when we lived together, we created a very symbiotic relationship. So um, like I was definitely, he was a little bit more of the neat freak and I was more of the cook. So like he couldn't turn on an oven um, and I couldn't turn on a vacuum. So it kind of worked out that way. <laughs> uh, we ended up getting dogs together, which is where I have kissed in Aspen now. And for a while when Kevin moved out, uh, he only moved out because I was going to foster. Um, and yeah. I did for a little while. And now this room has seen multiple iterations of what it once was. The room that I film all of this in and do a lot of my like uh, uh, arts and crafts stuff in is Kevin's old room, which by the way, the air conditioning is not as strong in here. No wonder you always wanted it so cold. I told you that like 500 times while I lived there, but you were like, eh, you're being weird. I thought you were being weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but I really like what you said about like the symbiotic relationship, because I think that's a big part of why we were able to get along for so many years is, mm -hmm. um, you know, back when we were younger, you, I feel like you were much more shy and um, introverted and I was just that kind of like wild child and didn't give a crap about anything. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of like balanced each other out and I calmed down more and you, I think came out of your shell more. And I think we helped each other get to that. I felt like I was trying to reach for that, like gay wild side. Like I'm a teenage gay, and I'm just gonna go for it. And I like had the, the mile high spiked blonde hair and this, the awful, awful spray tan i'm talking about like oompa oh God, loompa you are, style you were orange the first time i ever met you yes literally orange. I, orange i loved the photo that i've seen of you picture this everybody it was the late 90s um alexander mcqueen had invented bumsters which if you don't know what bumsters are they are low-rise jeans right and it oh, sparked no. the low-rise fashion trend by the way you had to be thin to wear a good pair of low-rise jeans because if not, I mean, they already make it look like you have love handles. That is, I don't know, kind of the point, but it's also to show off your ass and your abs. And so here is Marshall and Kevin and a group of other people. And I've seen this picture and it is burned into my mind. Marshall and Kevin, I couldn't tell who was who because it all was just orange and blonde spiky tips. And everyone was wearing like these neon tank tops and low-rise jeans and it was just like a, a scant of of a, a pubic drift where it's like you could just see just just the tops and and just underneath the belly button and it was it was interesting y'all and I literally had to sit there and look and I was like is that Marshall I can't tell who is who because you look so different now not to mention the I three am... megapixels three <laughs> megapixels <laughs> I'm really interested to know what picture this is because I don't know which one you're talking about, but I am a little scared to know which one. It's the <laughs> one that I showed you over the weekend when we were in New Orleans oh, good. in oh, our old God. kitchen, uh, Ken's old kitchen. Oh, oh, 
Yeah, that was bad. Don't worry. When I when I when we post this episode, I'll make a post <laughs> on my page with a history of pictures of us, Kevin. Okay, great. Oh, It'll be <laughs> like so excited. Uh, so excited for that. <laughs> like uh, a high school sli- uh, graduation slideshow where it's always like really bad music and they just have like different pictures panning in from from left to right. <laughs> <laughs> So, Kevin, I'm curious to know, in compared to Marshall's background, which uh, I've seen Marshall, I've known Marshall, oh my God, it's been almost a year and a half, which is hard to believe, but also not anything compared to um, the long and extensive friendship you two have had. But I'm curious to know, so Marshall's developed from... uh, Wicca a really long time ago to more of an eclectic background, always kind of staying in the vein of witch. Um, now I, I hear there's some new agey stuff before that, going into, you know, this folky eclectic land-based tradition or uh, thing that he's doing now. So I'm curious to know, what does your spirituality look like? That's always been like a hard question for me to answer. I was brought up Catholic um, for my entire childhood. Very, very, very Catholic uh, family. My mom still is a very, very hardcore practicing Catholic. Um, And up until I moved to California, my sophomore year of high school, I went to church every week. I even my freshman year of high school, I literally went to church by choice like three times a week. Um, and then I came out and I grew and I was like, oh, nope, I completely don't believe in God and all this other stuff. And I was just for many years, just like there's nothing out there. And then as I've kind of met Marshall and seen him go through all of his journeys, like I have found that I don't believe in a god of any sort but i do believe in higher powers and things that i can't completely comprehend or understand um so that's kind of where i'm at but um i definitely don't shame anyone or uh make them feel bad for what they believe in like i feel like everybody should be able to have their beliefs and i'm not going to judge you on that so I'm curious to know, Marshall, um, does, does that ring true? Well, what's your side of the, the perspective, I guess? For one, uh, because me and Kevin didn't know each other before, before we knew each other, I had, did not know you went to, went to Catholic church three times a week, freshman year of high school, by choice. That's interesting. So again, Sundays, was... Saturdays, and, and Wednesdays, girl, right? Am I right? Yes. Sundays, Saturdays, and Wednesdays. Yes, I would go sometimes even before school. Like, again, that was when I was extremely preppy. I was still in the closet. Like, so the friends that I had were just from the friends that I had been grown up with and forced to be friends with. So they, of course, were all my church friends and that's what they were doing. So I was like, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, But then moving out to California, I really realized this is not who I am at all. And this is not what I believe in. And I just grew from there. Yeah, that def- I mean, all of that definitely rings true. I know um, it's funny, me and Kevin have had 
a lot of debates where the first thing he does when I bring up some sort of like theological suggestion or idea is he would say, well, my mom would say, <laughs> because yeah. he grew up with his mom, like always spouting off the, the very, very specific uh Roman Catholic doctrine and dogma. So it ends up actually creating a lot of really interesting theological discussions. I mean, when me and Kevin used to like chain smoke on the patio and with our Franzia and just talk about ideas to the point of being like, how long have you been out here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely was uh, very interesting with my background and his background being so different. We were able to have those like very interesting conversations and Marshall specifically for me has always been a great person to like have those kind of conversations with because of his upbringing with his mother being a therapist. He thinks of things in different ways, but he can also like have a conversation and not get angry or frustrated or upset. So therefore you can actually have an adult conversations and have different opinions and still talk about it all. Whereas the majority of, I think, adults, um, they can't do that. They have their belief and there's nothing else out there. And so therefore you just end up like yelling and arguing and fighting. And so it was, it was very interesting. And throughout the years, having all these kind of conversations about how different things are. So do you mind if I ask if there is any, which I'm sure it's probably a multi-layered question, but I'm curious to know where did, because you said you went to California, um, you did some some realize, heavy realizations there, it sounds like. Um, so what changed your perspective on Catholicism and the Catholic Church? And why did you, how did you come to this more um, agnostic, omnist, atheistic perspective <laughs> on religion? Yeah, I mean, that is very layered, but... Uh... I mean, so when if I you feel like, there, like, if you're comfortable. Oh, no, yeah, 100%. Um, when I went out to California, um, the people I was surrounded with were extremely different from what I was always used to. You know, it's much more liberal out there. And um, I was given complete freedom to do whatever I wanted out there with my dad, who I no longer speak to, has, they had tons of money. So I just, to make me feel comfortable about the move, they gave me whatever I wanted and I could, I had no curfew. I could just, it was like a 180 change in my life. And then I just kind of wasn't making friends the way I wanted to. And then I made some friends and they ended up not being the, I mean, they were a good impact on my life, but they also weren't uh the best friends to have that's what kind of those people took me down the whole drug road and that got really bad very quickly um for me and so I think I within all of that I started questioning everything I had been taught um from Catholicism and realizing that everything in the bible and what I was taught was not exactly true um and that you don't necessarily need, you know, a God of any sign, of any kind to be a good person. Um, and so it evolved from that. And again, it goes way, way deeper, but um, yeah, it's that, that was the big moment. That year was the big moment where I just lost all 
faith in what I was brought up with. I know Marshall and you, at least maybe not similarly in how you've came to that realization, but I mean, Episcopalian and, and Catholicism share a lot of overlaps in their religious beliefs. And it, it sounds like maybe not that you guys grew up in the same household exactly, but it does seem like there are some parallels to your religious realizations. I would say so, but probably at different times and for very different reasons. Because I think yes. um, by the time I met Kevin, I had been on and off practicing like Wicca or witchcraft for, I, I literally picked up my first one in sixth grade. So 12, 13 years old, met him at 16. So at least three, three ish, at least three, three, four years. So by then, I wasn't really sitting hard in the religious Wicca category as much as I was that was just kind of sitting in the background. Um, and I wasn't super active and avid all the time. There were times where like it, it didn't have much of an impact. Um, and then there were times where it was like, hey, I'm going to do this spell. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you've gotten to witness a lot of that, right, Kevin? I mean, Marshall, yes. when exactly did you start getting into witchcraft again? You were younger. So just so the timeline is very clear here, because it's a really, really um, wild roller coaster. Uh, like I said, age 12, sixth grade, getting my first couple books with uh, Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft, Teen Witch, Silver Raven Wolves to Write a Silver Broomstick and, and whatnot. And then that kind of collectively grew through middle and high school. And then my 20s, I went to completely opposite. I moved out. I got, I got, uh, I, I felt like I was, I got gobsmacked by reality. And, um, you know, me and Kevin had this fun, wild experiences in our 20s. And then in my late 20s, early 30s, like I got really deep into and I know a lot of people are going to hear this and start rolling their eyes and be like, no, no, not Marshall, please, no. I got really into ascension, manifestations, law of attraction. Oh, yeah, I'm talking 5D here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. fine. I, I owned me, devil-worshipping, uh, folkloric witchcraft, traditional witchcraft me, owned, definitely owned a deck of... Um, Archangel cards <gasps> from Dorian Valiente. Dorian Virtue? Dorian Virtue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, not Dorian Valiente. Um, Dorian Virtue. And what else? What else did I have that I was obsessed with? I had um, this, uh, it was from this person named Tatiana Hardy. I'm pretty sure she's still like a, a TV personality mm -hmm. um, or like a medium in uh, across the pond in UK. And she had this like collection back in the, mid uh to early to mid 2000s that was like Tatiana Hardy's like um coin divination system and like she had like a little uh crystal ball that was like basically the size of a, a jawbreaker and it was very hard to scry in um <laughs> all the cute little stuff that you buy in kits are so cute but they're not practical very that, very that. And I remember just being obsessed with it. So trust me, I feel you. 
Um, I, I had listened to and made Kevin listen to like all of this Abraham Hicks law of attraction yeah. style stuff. We would like watch videos together. We would, I would make him I was like, Hey, Kevin, Kevin, just stop whatever you're doing and listen to this passage. Cause it was always an audiobook. It was always a YouTube video. It was always something that had to be listened to. Cause you don't, you don't really, I mean, she has, she has a lot of books, but I think you don't, you don't read Abraham Hicks. You definitely listen to it. And no, to you, this, have to. you have, you to. have to. to. To this day, I will actually, I'll sit here and admit that there are some really good things that came from that wonderful things that came to uh, uh how to learn to focus your mind, uh, different aspects of, of, of where to put your intention, how to kind of organize your thoughts around maybe uh, bringing things into your life that you want to. These are all wonderful things. These, this is mindfulness, it's meditation. But I do think that there are also, and I understand now that there are some dangerous aspects. You cannot think, you cannot just think your cancer away. You know, you, you can't just not pay attention to the lack of, of, of equal rights and expect it to just have equal rights in your life because you're not paying attention to the lack of, you know, I think there's ways in which you have to do things in real life. I will say as an outsider's point of view um, and seeing how many like things that you've gone through, Marshall, and all your different avenues, um, that was one of the ones that was probably the weirdest for me that I just literally never could get on board with and also made my brain hurt so much because like there are things you teach me about this like whole witchcraft and all this stuff that you do and that what you believe in that makes more sense to me than that does um it's I mean, to be honest, I think it's also because a lot of the times they they throw in a lot of this like bullshit science to try and like back it up to. So they're always talking about like all all this like I don't want to call it pseudoscience because I I mean I practice magic and astrology, so I don't want to like shit on people for including science <laughs> into their magical practice. But I mean, like. They just try to quantify it so hard and it's like uh if you just activate your your gamma wave while you're awake then suddenly um you'll just manifest all this stuff so it's very interesting to hear that perspective um can you tell us some some of the nitty gritty this is not on the prompt by the way but um tell me all of <laughs> marshall's nitty gritty um uh magical moves magical moves yeah like um what are like the cringiest uh new agey aspects that marshall has been through i'm gonna put you on blast we can we can cut this out (laughs) (laughs) i mean the whole like abraham thing where he's showing me videos of literally this purse or whatever it was speaking through her Oh, like Marshall, help me out. Yeah, channeling. So, yeah, yes, Abra- channeling and like Abraham that. is a collective consciousness that Esther yes. Hicks channels, and, and she like, goes through this whole process of like breathing and meditating and bringing him through. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Kevin, do you remember Theo? Yeah, like yes, that too. Like just that whole aspect of like watch, literally watching this happen on a video. I was just like Marshall. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> this is really, really weird. Like, I can sit here and watch you do a spell, and that's cute, and I like it, and it's fun. 
but you're not like having some other things speak through your body like that to me is just a little exorcisty so so there were some videos like i want to make sure to explain theo too because theo was actually quite jarring to watch um and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like you know talk down anyone that likes to follow the idea of channeling because there is an actual yeah i do actually believe there is an avenue for channeling i think a lot of people that we know of in mainstream tv who make a whole lifestyle and living and career out of it have I don't want to say they bastardized it or or anything, but I do want to say that they make it look very different from how I believe it actually is. And Theo is one of the big ones in the at like 80s, 90s, same sort of thing with Abraham Hicks. Um, this woman would like, she would lean back, she'd take deep breaths, then she would immediately, and I have to pull the microphone away, otherwise it's going to be too, too abrupt. And she'd be like, is, it is good to be her, is it not? And she would speak like this the whole way through because the powerful angels coming through were going to be too much for her voice to handle. And I'm kind of moving that microphone back. So, <laughs> no, I, I went to LA. Like I took a, a personal mentoring weekend group like seminar, like they, they gave us the Jim Jones Kool-Aid and I drank it. I was interested. I wanted to learn. I wanted to see this in person. And when I saw it in person, I came back. I don't want to say like, just, I was forever changed. I mean, I came back changed as in, I think what I saw may have been bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, like I said earlier, like I'm not gonna judge anybody for anything they believe in, but that has probably been that whole era of you and finding yourself and what you believe in has probably been the weirdest. And I don't, I don't know if weirdest is the right word, but the most hardest for me to understand. Well, it's kind of cringe. Cause I mean, if I, it, there are moments of extreme toxic positivity like you and I would have these long philosophical discussions about like what, so my mom, like, so someone I love dies and I'm not supposed to feel sad. I'm supposed to feel happy for them for I've moved on to a better existence. And I'm like, yes, you should because feeling sadness just shows that you don't, and like, it was a very, very yeah. toxic positivity. And I didn't, and of course I was wrapping my head around it as I was trying to explain to my best friend what I was learning about. And I now, several, you know, years later, recognize all of the toxic aspects of that. I recognize some of the good aspects. I recognize the bad. Unfortunately, I think there, I, to this day, I actually talk about this on my page a lot. There are a lot of aspects of still new age concepts that get mistaken for or conflated with witchcraft. And and people don't understand that that's, that's different. That is separate. That's not a, that's, that's a new age idea. Um, and it's totally fine. If that's what you want to believe, but you can't bring it over here. And I feel like when I kind of gravitated back towards what I felt like more were my roots, getting back into Wicca and paganism again, it really opened my eyes to the toxic positivity, to the spiritual bypassing, the um, you only have this negative thing happening in your life because you're having negative emotions and thoughts. You're vibrating low. Like those are, those that's spiritual bypassing. That's like saying you brought this on yourself. So I definitely, um, there's a lot of incorporation of like um, channeling, um, 
I, I know like ritual possession is, is something that I've seen and participated in and things like that. Um, and so that's very uh, normal for me the line absolutely is crossed when I, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just because that's not how it works for so many other people who are actually partaking in these traditional practices um, that do involve, you know, a spiritual possession or like calling down a godhead or something like that. You know, it's not like you just take a few deep breaths and away you go, you know, or, um, uh, even with channeling, which I, I think is a little gentler, you know, you're, I don't make strange voices or things like that. Um, uh, although there is some breath work involved and I do plant my feet on the floor and, and lean my, my head down into the back of the chair. But I, I just, I get so cringy when I hear channeling to massive audiences or or just the voice changing. I don't know what it is. It's always just very cringe unless, um, I don't know, unless it's in a very particular setting, but that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious to know, what is your perspective, Kevin, on like, do you see witchcraft or do you know much about witchcraft enough to kind of discern like these new age practices from like, more traditional uh, uh, witchcraft traditions and things like that, or do you know, or do you care, or uh, are you able to tell the difference between the two? Um, I do. I personally, I don't think I know enough about it to really uh, know all the differences and the traditions and things. And obviously, Marshall's always very uh, open about his witchcraft and what he does. And so he does try to educate me as much as possible. Um, and yeah, when we're at the pool talking about it or just hanging out, having a glass of wine, we're talking about, yeah, of course I'm interested in what he's saying, but I'm also not gonna like, you know, after this, like I'm not gonna go like look up stuff about witchcraft. Like that's just not what I enjoy doing. And it's not my lifestyle, but so yeah, I don't, I don't think I know enough about it. Yeah, for sure. No, it's kind of funny because a lot of my friends, oh, a lot of my friends are like this and my, Kevin actually listens the most, which I really appreciate it. And, and I think some of my other friends placate me a little bit, but like, you know, here I am working on like a couple different, like big, beautiful grimoires and I'm showing them and I'm like, look at this page. I just finished this one. And they're just like, oh, cool. Excellent. Are you ready to go or, or what? And I'm like thinking, oh my God, if I walked into someone's place and they wanted to show me this beautiful grimoire they've been working on, I'd be like, we're not going anywhere. I want to look at this book all night. When I was younger, like if I had met anyone that was willing to show me that, or like I had that opportunity, I would have been obsessed, especially as like a kid or a teenager when I was just kind of being introduced to it. And then, you know, here I was trying to show it to my, Kevin actually looked at a bunch of stuff, which is really sweet, but showing some other friends, they're just like, oh, okay, cool. Are you done? Can we move on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say there have been things that spiked my interest more than others. Like, I mean, um, so I have um, a great Dane and he is all, just about a year and a half old. And I got him during the lockdown pandemic. And Marshall was talking about Hakate. 
and I just really kind of resonated with that whole thing and talking about that and I I liked it and so like my dog's middle name is Hakate so there are parts that I'm a little bit more interested in than others but I'm always willing to learn new things so the dog is a baby what, y'all, can't, y'all can't see it but I can see the dog on the screen and you <laughs> he keeps trying to get in the frame and like shoves his he's a great Dane so he's got like shoves his huge like wet nose directly into the camera it's so cute he's like who's that yeah who's that again he's only a year and a half and he's like 125 pounds right now so he's he's obsessed he's obsessed with me so he probably (laughs) he loves marshall to death like probably more than me it's (laughs) i hate it but i do love it so I think Marshall, um, you had asked some listener questions that people had for Kevin. Yes, let's go back and forth. So I sent you the ones we circled. We'll just kind of go down the line and we'll ask some of these. Okay. Okay, awesome. You ready? Yeah. Kevin, do you believe in magic? And if yes, why don't you practice? Well, that is a good question. Um <laughs> Um, yes, I do believe in it to an extent, I think. Um, I, again, I don't practice because it's, it's not something that resonates with me. I don't feel like that's, I I don't know how to answer that part. It's just not what I want to do with my life. I do believe, I mean, I don't believe in magic in the way that you see it, like on TV or things like that. But I do, what really resonated with me was Marshall explained um, spells and some things that did make me kind of believe in magic a little bit more was that I think what it was one of the very first spells we ever did together. And you told me like, the outcome of this is not necessarily going to be the most direct outcome. It could happen in so many different ways. Is what I'm saying making sense? Like, oh no, yeah. Like I, I know what you're talking about. Like a lot of times, yeah. The like if you say, like like when I did that spell for healing for your for your ankle or for your leg, yes, and exactly. it was to help get better, and it got worse, which then brought you to the doctor, which then got you exactly. to the uh, appropriate doctor Having... that was going to have your specialty, who then actually fixed it. Yes, who actually did the surgery. So yeah, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like. It was realizing that doing this spell or putting a spell on a crystal and then giving it to someone or however, whatever you're doing is not necessarily just going to be the most straightforward thought out answer. It could be that healing rock that you gave me or whatever. No, it wasn't rock. It was uh, something else you put under my mattress um, to help heal my foot. Ended up me having surgery but it was a roundabout way of whatever you did, I feel like got me there. So in a way, yes, I do believe in magic. Um, Well, that kind of knocks out my question, which was, um, have you ever requested anything uh, magically for like help or anything like that from Marshall? Yeah, um, so that was one. And um, I'm probably gonna ask him for one here shortly um, for another personal reason that I don't really want to get into but um it's another healing 
type of thing. So sweet. Um, I have a good one. I'm curious at this one. Okay. Kevin, are there times when I have been just spot on, so spot on that it's spooky? That's hard. Marshall's the one with like the ridiculous memory that just like doesn't forget anything. So (laughs) asking me is harder. Um, Well, I mean, like you have to come up with examples. Like, are there moments or times when you're just like, how did you know that? Oh, wow. Oh, I guess that is true. Yeah, I'm just trying to think back. Yeah, I mean, I think that there have been times when you're just like, yeah, you're spot on or it it does weird me out a little bit. I think a lot of them are just sort of day-to-day stuff that they don't seem to stand out that much. And yeah. also, I will admit, I also don't share them a lot. I think them. And then because they become fleeting thoughts, when they come true, I'm like, oh, well, that happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I but. think as magical practitioners, um, uh, we don't, uh, hopefully, I mean, it's a little cringy if people do, but you're like walking around like Teresa Caputo and telling people about their business or things like that, um, <laughs> or like soliciting, uh, even to your friends, it, it can be uh, taxing or tolling or things like that. You know, I, I find it better if people come and ask me for help. That's when I'm, of course, willing to like give it but as opposed to just like you know telling you reading you about yourself I like to read people in other ways besides telling them up and down about their business so yeah I mean it's never been like a I will say it's never been like a oh tomorrow it's going to rain at 3 p.m and I'm like (laughs) oh my god it it, it, it's raining at 3 p.m oh my god it's never been I think you're right Marshall it's like smaller day-to-day things that we probably just don't really pick up on. I'm feeling my left breast and there's a 38% (laughs) Um, so Kevin, I have another question for you. Um, (laughs) Somebody had asked how many times have you, or have you ever asked uh, Marshall while you were drunk, if you both drink, I don't know if you do, uh, to put a love spell on someone that you had just met or a love spell at all. <laughs> um, well, yes, we both drink. Um, I probably drink more than he does, but um, I have never asked for a love spell, no. Um, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marshall, I feel like, I asked you about love spells when we were younger and for some reason you said they weren't a good idea and so we didn't do one or something but like I don't if I'm correct we've never done one no never I don't I don't do love spells I don't touch love spells and we're we're gay I promise you most of the time we're not doing a love spell in the first place (laughs) usually I feel like it's like trying to get somebody away back the fuck up go yeah. away i just wanted to hook up with you once like leave me alone yeah mm-hmm. yeah you'll notice more are... of my spells are go away spells than come here spells <laughs> <laughs> yeah love spells can be uh notoriously now we won't get into the specifics but kevin we have discussed those before Yes, I, and that's what I thought. Like, we've discussed them, but we've definitely never done one. No, I mean, go away spells. 
Oh, yes. Yes, we have discussed those. And uh-huh. I will say I did participate in one of those. Don't forget the... Uh... We can talk about it now because it's so many years. Don't forget that spell um, we did years ago. Oh my gosh. We won't get into super specifics, but years ago there were, it was your ex-boyfriend and then their two friends. I was in cosmetology school. They were harassing me and they were uh, doing uh, uh, prank phone calls in the middle of the night. I changed my phone number and we were like, we're going to get rid of them. We're going to banish that ex-boyfriend out of town. We're going to get rid Mm -hmm. of his friends and get all what's happened to him. We can say his name because he's gone too. Jake, his name was Jake. (laughs) And we went outside my parents' yard. Oh God, yes. We went inside my parents' backyard and Such we did that awful. spell in the chimney where we threw it in and we put our energy into it. Mm-hmm. Within what, one to two weeks, he ended up moving out of state. Yep. Ex boyfriend. Mm-hmm. The girlfriend ended up, or the, the, the girl or whatever ended up, um, I don't know if she ended up moving away, but she like lost her job. Um, she ended up having to either move back with her parents. She just kind of disappeared out of the, out of the, the friend circle. Yeah. And then the third yeah. one stayed around. And I mean, I won't say exactly what happened, but unfortunately he has had some serious life choice consequences come his way. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not in the chimney, mama. <laughs> in the backyard <laughs> suburban chimney. <laughs> Because you don't have chimneys, Texas. We do. They're just gas, and we don't and we don't use them for anything other than decoration. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, as one does in the American South. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. More questions. Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Do you just blindly say yes whenever I ask you? Uh, whenever I tell you to do something witchy, like here, take this bag, and and it'll help you sleep. If I just like come at you and say, here, do this, will you just blindly do it? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. I'm I want to so know what I want to know what's going on, why it's going on, what's happening. Like I'm not gonna put myself into that situation just blindly. I'm so glad I have to tell people, um, both who are it's just sometimes, or, you know, just magical practitioners in general, but I also have to tell people who are not magical practitioners, be very cautious of gifts. Like, you know, be very cautious of things that people give you, especially if you don't know what uh, something looks like, you know, it could be God knows what. Marshall could be trying to give you nightmares. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, no, I will not blindly just walk into anything he gives me or tells me to do. So I'm wondering, um, are you scared about getting hexed if um, like a relationship goes for, I, I assume this question is if you were in a relationship with somebody who is practicing magic, um, would you ever be scared about getting hexed if the relationship goes south? Or are you worried about getting hexed in, in general? Is that anything that ever like crosses your mind? Like somebody's went out of their way to send me some bad luck or uh, a jinx or something like that? I mean, it's crossed my mind because, you know, just being around the world of witchcraft um, makes me realize it's very possible 
I've never like actually like had that thought. So I'm going to oh, say I, no. I see the question here. I think they're actually trying. I think they're asking, have you ever been scared that I'll hex you if our friendship goes <laughs> south? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> um, no, I have never been concerned about that at all. Um, I don't think it can go south at this point. We're pretty much lifeless now. I don't think it could, but even if for some weird reason it did, I don't think Marshall is that vindictive of a person to do something like that. Um, I don't know. She could be cunty. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I mean, I also personally don't really know anybody else in the witchcraft community in my personal life other than Marshall. So there's never been a um, concern for an ex to hex me if we were to break up or something like that. So yeah, no one is hexing one you would, but me. <laughs> yeah, the only one that would would be Marshall. So. <laughs> Um, I wonder how or if being besties with a witch has changed your perspective on anything. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has. It's definitely made me more open-minded to the possibilities in the world. Um, And again, to open my eyes. Because again, before I met you, like I had completely, um, there is no God, there's nothing out there, like just nothing. And magic would have, at that point in my life, been that stupid, you know, type of mentality. Um, so being friends with you for so many years has definitely opened my eyes to the possibilities in this world and what is possible, what's not possible, and what I possibly, kn- knowing that there are things that I can't always comprehend and being open to learning about those things did you feel weird at first being friends with uh, a witch or when Marshall told you that he started practicing magic? I know you talked about um, some weird moments in his magical journey, but I'm curious to know what was basically like kind of coming out as, as a witch like. I definitely, I, I wouldn't, I didn't feel weird. Um, I mean, so when I met Marshall and we were doing some spells and things back then, like it was just so opposite from what I grew up with that I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I feel like I'm in a movie. Let's pull up the Ouija board. Like, you know, we watched the craft kind of like little- almost every weekend. Literally. Um, so for me, it was just kind of like a fun, sure, I'll do this with you. I mean, not necessarily believing that it might work or happen or whatnot. But when I when he first told me, yeah, no, I didn't feel weird about it at all. I was kind of intrigued and excited. Yeah, I remember um, fun little nights on the weekends, like playing with the Ouija board or um, I just, I remember doing all these like, fun little things that were almost more like witchcraft adjacent that you and I, because I would do my own sort of stuff sometimes, but then I would include you in on some things. And most of them were just um, me the same way I do kind of now, like throwing back ideas and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You've actually taught me down. 
a couple times from <laughs> from from exacting my vengeance <laughs> as one likes to do when they're younger and thinking you know I have this power at my fingertips um so thanks for that no oh, you're welcome <laughs> so we thought we'd maybe end this episode by having you ask a few questions of magical practitioners that uh, maybe you think a lot of muggle muggles or or non-practitioners might might think of even if it's maybe not a a you question because you know you know me you've Mm -hmm. heard me talk about austin but i mean i know there are a lot of practitioners out there who are wondering if i tell my best friend are they like what are their questions going to be like what would they want to know i feel like that's a great place to start like were you scared to tell me that you were a witch or were what were you hesitant about if you were you know to be perfectly honest funny enough um when I started kind of when my journey kind of like rolled back around to me feeling like I was getting back to my roots and witchcraft again I probably didn't tell anyone for a few months mostly because one I'll, I'll be brutally honest I didn't want it to seem like I was just flip-flopping like I was just yeah. kind of jumping from one uh, mystical idea to another. And I felt like before I speak this to anyone or share with anyone, I want to continue down my own journey and like study and practice and build before I consider telling anyone else this. So um, I definitely think before you consider telling people uh, uh before you consider telling non-practitioners, you need to be in a place that you feel super comfortable and confident with your practice. So like, if you go out and you buy a book and you feel a little bit like you're not ready to share with the world yet, this book on witchcraft I just bought, then don't, you don't have to. That's not lying, that's your business. Um, I think people should kind of wait till they feel a little bit more on the comfortable side, in my opinion. We don't need to just spill our guts with everything right away. Yeah, for sure. This question, I guess, for both of you. Um, is there anything within the realm of your practice and witchcraft that you align that you will not go past? Is there like um, something that you will never do, even knowing that you could do it because it's within the with- witchcraft? realm but like is there like you know you see it in the movies like that's kind of where i'm going with this but not really like you see it like oh the dark dark magic like that's so bad don't touch it you know or the black magic whatever they call it in movies um is there anything that within your studies and what you practice that you just won't touch no matter what and why I think that's a, I do want Austin to go first on this one, but I want to say that's a good one because that's a good one because most non-magical practitioners are going to come at it from a media perspective. They're going to have the preconceived notions of what they've seen, what they've read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a difficult one for me because I. Cross lines all the time. I, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I feel like, um, the the entire point of of witchcraft or my witchcraft specifically is to be quite transgressive in nature um there are also a lot of things that 
uh, I don't, I'm a little morally ambivalent about in terms of like, um, I don't want to like say anything that's going to get me in trouble. So I won't, but there, I do have like lines that I won't cross. Like for example, um, I've been kind of conceptualizing a, a lecture or a workshop in the next uh, couple months that will be me like compiling some of the most like disgusting, gruesome, awful things that you can find in magical textbooks. For example, I've made a couple jokes recently about a rite called the, the Black Cat Bone Rite, um, which is a folklore uh, piece that you'll find in folklore, you'll find it in magical textbooks, you'll find it in history and things like that. And it's, it's essentially a rite that involves um, taking a living Black cat and boiling it alive and um, you know, finding a magical bone that is supposed to procure you magical powers or like with the black uh, toad bone, right? Which is where you basically do the same thing to a toad that involves it being alive and then um, torturing it to death. And, you know, I am very, uh, when time calls for it within traditions and communities who have experience in animal slaughter and animal sacrifice, I'm very um, supportive of those things. I think um, to the people who are ethically trained in it and who also, you know, are using these traditional methods of animal sacrifice and slaughter because typically they go back to feeding the community with the animals that they use and things like that. That for me is, isn't necessarily a problem. I also grew up around a lot of hunters and ranchers and animal slaughterers. So it, it's not very phasing for me, but for the idea of animal torture just for a magical means is I think um, that's a line that I would cross or uh, anything that is physically hurting a human being for, and I mean like physically hurting as in not like sending a curse, not sending a death curse, not like doing that. But I mean, like if, if your conceptualizations are, are verging dangerously into like, um, maniacal or, or, um, you know, mental illness to where you're like feeling that it's necessary to harm people, um, then I think not only is that very dangerous and you should be pulling out of magical practice, I think you should also, you know, be consulting with <laughs> professionals. So I do have lines, I promise everybody, I really do. <laughs> um, I'll admit that I personally do not ever see myself being, I mean, I'm a meat eater, uh, so I can't sit here and say that I am against ethical uh, animal sacrifice and traditions that call for it. Um, I think a lot of the, uh, from what I have learned, and this is one of the things that people, especially in the outside, outside of the magical practice world, don't understand. Um, Kevin, I don't think we've actually ever talked about this before, but there are a lot of uh, uh, traditions that do involve certain acts of animal sacrifice. And personally, um, mm -hmm the more I got to understand about the training and efficacy that goes with this process, the more I began to understand that the ethical treatment of these animals is more humane than most slaughterhouses that we get the majority of our, of our prepackaged meat from. So I 
cannot, I cannot say to be hypocritical to say that I'm against it, but I don't think I personally can ever bring myself to do it. Um, I got two dogs that I love. Um, I'm such an animal person, hardcore. I'm I, like, I will literally, this sounds, this sounds so dumb. I will literally hug a cow on Sunday and I will eat a burger on Monday. You know, I, I will. Yeah. I'm just one of those people. <laughs> so I don't think I could. Um, I probably would never do any magic, baneful or helpful for children without um, express consent from the parents. So like I wouldn't even offer, I wouldn't even do a healing, a remote healing for someone else's child without the consent of the parents because um, as Kevin and I have discussed, discovered a lot of times healing can come in a roundabout way. And I wanna make sure that before I, I do anything like that. Cons- and I am not a consent matters all the time about everything, but when it comes to kids, I am. Um, I will probably never do anything Enochian. Um, I think, and Kevin, I don't think you even know what Enochian is. Do you? I have no what I, I have <laughs> no idea what you just said, but so Enochian is the system of angel angel magic that was put together and and uh, divined by John Dee, who was Elizabeth the First's resident occultist and and practitioner. Um, it is extremely militant. It works with uh, Abrahamic or Christian angels. Um, the thing that's so fascinating, I would much rather work with demons and angels because demons are closer to humans and angels are closer to military. So they are extreme. I mean, it's not that it's super difficult type of magic. It's just that if you get, this is what I've, what I've been learning from it is that when you get things off or wrong, it can go very sideways. And personally, I just don't need to deal with spirits that are that militant. It's just not necessary in my humble opinion, of course. Lastly, I don't work with the Fae. I don't fuck with the Fae. <laughs> so um, the Fae or the fair folk or the fairies or whatever, uh, I, I am not going to say very much about it other than um, what we know about fairy tales, and I'm using quotations here, fairy tales are extremely cute ideas. They are very Disney-fied. If you talk to a Welsh or Irish person who is much more close to the origins of the Fae, they will tell you right off of the bat that these little monsters are not things you want in your house. I do think the way in which people think, I mean, obviously they're not all going to be that way, but they are not human. Um, the concept of the Fae is very, very separate from what we think of as, as, as fun and, and fairy-like. So personally, for those out there that practice Fae magic, I, my hat's off to you. I personally just don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, I say thank you way too much. Which, by the way, for people, for people not knowing this, Kevin, I don't know if you know this, you can't thank the Fae. Because if you say thank no, you... Yeah, if you, they do not have the same sort of like human-based uh, uh, concepts that we do of, of morality. So when you say thank you, what you are doing is you are saying, I am indebted to you, make me your slave. Like, not, not, not exactly. Um, if you find yourself on their territory or in their, their realm, you cannot eat or drink there, otherwise you can never leave. Um, there, there are just certain boundaries that you can't cross. You don't want them to know your name. Um, they're just it's very interesting there's a reason there's a there's a a history behind middle names for a while that middle names were put in place as safety nets 
so the fairies couldn't take you so that that they wouldn't have power over you because to have someone's full name was to have power over you and and you wouldn't want them to have your full name so they would come up with a family name which was your middle name it was the name that only the close relatives would know um little history there wonderful um cool so both sounds like you both um because marshall you've shown me um your your uh your book where all your spells are at yeah my grimoire your grimoire and um then you showed me i think it was a couple months later there was like the dark side of it yes i i have it like flipped over backwards where there's more baneful magic in the back right so it sounds like you both are open to any kind of well not any kind but like the in again i'm using quotes the dark magic um or the black magic um that you would see on tv you're you're into pushing your boundaries but there are some things that you just either won't do or don't want to do definitely definitely things i don't want to do i'm just some of them i'm just not interested in yeah yeah i'm um, very oh sorry no, go ahead. Uh, I'm very pro getting magic done for a means to an end. And I, I am, like I said, relatively okay with whatever that, that means is. It's just like the act, the actual, mm, like the things that, that will get you into uh, legal trouble or things when, when you're actually physically harming people um, immediately in this, in this realm and this very tangible, very real world. Um, not to say that magic isn't real, but I, a lot of people, um, I don't know, it's complicated. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There is an old Welsh hex that Mara put on her Twitter that I love. And it was a woman would would throw herself on the ground and expose her breasts and curse out the man that she was cursing publicly. And it was a way in which she would publicly curse someone. So I think from now on, if I ever find myself in a situation where I need to curse someone, I'm going to just throw myself on the floor and I'm gonna expose my tits and I'm just gonna say, I curse you. And I'm gonna kind of shake them back and forth like this. And um, I'm assuming they'll probably drop dead right there or maybe they'll like call in the next day to work with COVID. I'm imagining those are the two only outcomes. As one should. As one should. <laughs> Kevin, I can't, I bet you can't wait to see that next time. Uh, what you just showed us right now was probably enough, so. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that somebody could have seen, more people could have seen me and Marshall at the same time, because I knew where he was going with it, both pulling down our shirts and yes. like, showing our tits to Kevin in the camera was really, really <laughs> special. It was special. Yeah. Nice uh, to meet you, by the way, Kevin. <laughs> yes, so nice. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. Um, I guess the only other question I would have was um, for anybody who is new to witchcraft or um, possibly thinking about dabbling in it, um, what would be your number one best advice to them? 
but the first thing I think you should definitely do is, is find a very good, easy to digest resource to start with. Um, whether that's reading, whether that's podcasts, whether that's um, YouTube videos, whether that's just a content creator that has piqued your interest and expand from there. Um, that doesn't mean stay right there. It doesn't mean only watch that YouTube. It doesn't mean only listen to that podcast. I know um, a while back, I got really into Seeking Witchcraft podcast, which is on Spotify and Apple and Anchor. And uh, I loved just listening to this easy to listen to 30 minute podcast from this girl named Ashley, who was going through her first year as a Seeking Gardenarian witch. Um, and from there, I started expanding, taking uh more suggestions because this is actually when I was getting back into witchcraft again I was starting to really dip my toes back in and be interested and then I started getting a couple books and then I was like oh I remember this from when I was when I was a teenager oh my gosh I love this one I don't have anymore I want it again and it started to kind of grow and expand from there you just you never want to stick to one source of information I think also to agree with you on that it's good to have very especially if you're like getting into it um, very easy, digestible content. But I also want to say for beginner practitioners and um, everywhere, really, whether it's on social media or whatever, if you ever find yourself, there's a lot of people in any spiritual community. It's not just witchcraft. It's not just the New Age. It's not just Christianity. It's, it's everywhere. When we are coming at a place of spirituality and we look up to people who we may see as more authoritative or more knowledgeable or something like that there is this vulnerability that practitioners have of any religion of any spirituality to listen to them and and unfortunately this you know makes us more susceptible to manipulation and and persuasion and things like that so if you're especially if you're studying witchcraft um be discerning also follow the um the stem rule i think is what it's called stem like tell people where you're going um bring a friend with you no group should um you know ban you from bringing people with you when you're first starting to engage and interact with them you know it's a little different if you're you know in the coven or whatever but by that point you know you should be able to discern or not whether these are good that you're interacting with and, and if they're not then you know that's okay as well but making sure to tell people where you're going be very discerning about the people you're engaging with don't take everything that you hear whether it's from content creators whether it's from you know youtubers people who write things in books me anyone don't take anything that anybody says at um fully and wholeheartedly do your own research and um, be very discerning because again there are a lot of people who are looking to take advantage of people in the witchcraft community and other spiritual systems as well so be discerning and, and cautious Kevin oh my gosh thank you so much for coming on the show today I really appreciate it thank you for having me I really had a good time talking to you guys yes thank you so much and um, when I'm when I see you next we'll all be drinking by the pool right Yep. <laughs> yes, that sounds great. I can't wait. Thank you for listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways.